Shooting it raw? Yes. Shooting it raw. Anna Blocky, yes? Yes. Yes. How do I say your last name? Well, it depends on in which language. Okay, how do I say your last name in French? No, I mean like either German or Polish. Okay, how do I say it in German? Blotsky. Blotsky. Mm-hmm. And how do I say it in Polish? Błocka. Oh, Błocka. And so what Blotska. do people call you here? Um, they use my German name because I entered Hong Kong on a German passport. <laughs> Blo- so, so officially for Hong Kong, I'm officially just German. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. And so again, in, in Polish, it's what? Błocka. Błocka. Mm-hmm. Anna Maria Błocka. Anna Maria Błocka. I am, I'm, I'm in the padded room. I'm in the padded cell. Why am I in a padded cell? Because I can't get out here unless I get a thousand subscribers. So please subscribe to the podcast and then maybe they'll let me out. And to celebrate, I'll eat a Carol, whole Carolina Reaper and film it so you can laugh at me. So please subscribe, share. Help me get out of this padded cell. How do I describe what what your profession is? Like, what do you call yourself? Like, bioengineer? Or what? I'm a tissue engineer. Tissue engineer. Yeah. Well, I... So, basically, I do work in tissue engineering, do research on tissue engineering and regenerative medicine. And both fields are very overlapping. So, okay. sometimes you cannot really... Tip, mm, make the difference in both right i you know i don't know your work i try to figure out like what are you a molecular scientist a mm. geneticist uh, no like none of yeah them. no it's, it's very interdisciplinary so my undergrads were in molecular biology so i'm a biologist by training but my phd was in biomedical engineering okay so um and as you go along it's not only what you learn in terms of education, but basically what you're working in. So you, so you take uh, things from biology, medicine, physical sciences, um, engineering, and just, you know, you, you mix and match as you go. Uh-huh. And in a way, that, that's one of the amazing things, because if you don't know something, you either get to know it, so you learn. So basically, you never stop studying, mm. or you get someone who can do it for you. Right. So then you go into collaboration. Okay, okay. Yeah. And you got your, your, your undergrad where? In Germany at the University of Recklinghausen. And then you like went really, for... I went for a PhD to Singapore afterwards. Singapore, yeah. okay. We are looking at an image that... Okay, let me describe it. So uh, in terms... That's going to be interesting. Okay, yeah, so, yeah, so <laughs> it's, it's not a photo... Well, it's, an, it's a graphic. It's, a, it's not... Is it strict? It's not a, a photograph. It's, it's a rendering. It is, no, I mean it's a photograph. From it's a, a photo. Yeah. At ten micrometers. No, that's the scale. So this bit, which is like I don't know a thumbstick, is basically the length of ten micrometers. Ten, okay. How long is ten micrometers? It's one hundredth. One one hundredth. One one hundredth of a millimeter. One one hundredth of a millimeter. So. Okay, like you can still kind of picture it. Okay, so the, the image is, it's in square format. <laughs> it is, uh, it's, imagine looking at a very kind of 
3D spider web where the spider is deep lost in the cone, but the webbing is yellow with some green and there's purple. And I assume these are all colorized. It's a colorized graphic. It's not, it's not actually light that we're looking at. Yeah, I mean, um, it's something which the software describes with a certain signal. Okay. So this, but the signal had a specific wavelength. And right. But okay. if, if you would look directly, I mean, like, this is a microscopy picture, obviously, yeah, right? Yeah. So you could actually see the colors by eye. So they're in the visible light okay. range. So what, would it just look, since it's tissue, I mean, okay, because of what you, you are professionally, I assume this is some kind of tissue. It looks like fibrous. Okay, so in between the yellow and the green and the purple, there's the kind of black. I guess the purple is space as well, but the, the black, is the kind of negative space, I mm -hmm. guess. And then, so there's this, like... It's like looking at a sponge, I guess. And, uh... So why would you call this a portrait of your mother? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> clearly mother. not. No, I'm an idiot. No, 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 of course not. It's, it's not a portrait. It's, it's, okay, so what is this? What is it? What am I looking at? Um, these are actually two cells, okay. which are stained. So the blue is actually the uh, cell nucleus. Okay. So the DNA is stained in blue. Okay. And um, that's actually what is the cell. And what you see else is actually outside the cell. So, oh, okay. so the black spaces are actually not empty. They are just not stained. But everything is like super full. Mm -hmm. And um, this picture was stained for fibronectin and hyaluronic acid. Mm -hmm. And these are two extracellular matrix components. So what you find as a scaffold around the cells. Okay. So this basically shows that if you have cells in a tissue, in a petri dish, they are making their own scaffold. Okay. So, and this was a very... Well, I, I like the picture for two reasons. The first one, it is extremely pretty. Yeah, it is. And you can basically see, like, how nature creates things which are just beautiful. Um, it is a piece of art, in a way. Yeah. And on the other hand, this this image was a piece of cake, and actually, it's the wrong staining. Okay. So, um, no, wait, so wait, when you say it's a piece of cake, well, in a way, so when we tried to publish this picture as a part of a manuscript, we got a reviewer who didn't believe that our red staining, which is the hyaluronic acid, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is going to be actually hyaluronic acid. So oh. he was doubting that, and, okay. and he was right in doing that. Because uh, so what what this is is we stain we have fluorescently labeled antibodies which bind to specific antigens. So yeah. one of them is fibronectin, the other one supposedly ironic acid, and we get those commercially. Mm -hmm. And it turned out that the antibody for ironic acid was actually staining something else and not ironic oh. acid. And um, we built like a whole storyline over this because it was about like what kind of role hyaluronic acid plays in um, fibronectin fibrogenesis so which is basically the making of fibronectin fibers which you need to make a scaffold like this network and in the end we were stating something which was not hyaluronic acid so wow. there was like a lot of work and time and research money going into it for something which actually was not 100% true right okay Okay, so f looking at it now, I can see that there is some reddish stain, which I maybe didn't mention, uh, closer to the blue. Now, the blue is the cell or the blue is the, is the nucleus? The blue is just the nucleus. Wow, okay. But, so you can see the red and you can sort of see yellow and, and the bleeding into the green and all the stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, 
assuming I don't understand what you're talking about, which I don't, what's interesting here is that you're making the scaffolding, which is basically the the structure Mm -hmm. that is forming around the cells, where the cells are making it. Like, why is what's happening here of interest? So... Normally, so there are, there are two things about the extracellular matrix, and I'm 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 really fascinated with the extracellular matrix. So, uh, one thing is, when people think about tissue, they just think about the cells. Mm-hmm. But especially if you go in tissues, like for example the bone, there are actually not that many cells inside. Okay. It's mainly just matrix. So okay. matrix actually makes up a major part of the total body. Actually, collagen one, uh, collagen. Or collagen one specifically is the major protein component of the human body, and it's not inside the cell; it's outside of the oh, cell. Okay, okay. And um, you can think of it like if you have a human and a jellyfish in water. Yeah. You know they're happy. Once you take them out of the water, you put them on the beach. The human would walk away. Yeah. The jellyfish will not. Right. It's going to be like all flat and floppy yeah. because it doesn't have the skeleton to support it. Right. So the extracellular matrix is like the skeleton of the tissue. Okay. So in a way. Got it. And, but it's not only this, it's basically it has all the signals. So it's kind of like um, the cells make it and it's kind of like an encrypted message. So if another cells come in, it can actually read. Ah. And it's not only the biochemical components, so the factors, but it's also the way how they're arranged. So mm-hmm. the topography and also if the extracellular matrix is stiff or soft, so even the mechanical properties will affect how the cells read. Right. So you can use the extracellular matrix to guide biological processes, okay. such as, for example, heating or regeneration. Right. So we are making biomaterials out of this extracellular matrix, and we are trying to kind of encode specific information in it, which will then promote, for example, or regeneration. For, for example, blood, what? Growth, blood vessel growth, growth. Uh, yeah, blood like revascularization, basically. Oh, okay, okay. That's, that, that's a big topic. So, is this part? If th- if this is part of your research, you're just trying to understand the mechanics in order to lead to application, or you're actually trying yeah. to develop an application. Um, I mean, like we have several projects, and this was to understand what role. Uh, hyaluronic acid would play in the assembly of the extracellular okay. matrix. Hyaluronic acid is also extreme bioactive. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually shown that if you go into like some type of fish, like the zebrafish, or into lizards, which can regenerate, for example, the heart completely, right? Yeah. which humans okay, cannot, right. yeah. is that hyaluronic acid is one of the major components which plays a role there. So if you remove it, instead of regenerating, for example, the zebrafish will have a scar in their heart. Uh, so okay. things like that. So uh, there are a lot to it, and we wanted to know in how far hyaluronic acid will affect the extracellular matrix assembly. Right. So this picture, in the end was not part of the final publication anymore, right. but our hypothesis was not wrong. So hyaluronic acid is indeed needed for fibronectin to form fibers. And it's like, you know, uh, the fibronectin goes first and then all the other components follow. So if the fibronectin fibrogenesis is disrupted, mm. nothing else can build on right. top. So um, that was one other thing. Wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Just trying to, to wrap my head around it. Um, okay, so so within your team, like how large of a team is it? Oh, that depends if we're in the summer or not, because I do have some summer students as okay. well. Okay. Um, so right it's through now, university. Yeah. So right now, I think I have eight 
eight, nine. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> you know, it always yeah, comes yeah, and shifts. goes. Yeah, 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 for sure. Considering that you're like a total nerd, weirdo, mm-hmm. right? Thanks. You're welcome. Thanks so much. No, yeah. You're welcome. Um, it's a, the biggest compliment because you're using your head to do really fascinating work. Like, how do you listen to, like, somebody who's listening to you who is in their journey, so for example, in high school, where this is like years ahead in terms of sophistication, understanding, and, and being able to separate ideas. Like, how do you connect your life or some kid who's developing and making decisions as they go? Like, why did you end up in this field of all other fields? Like, it's pretty esoteric. It's pretty... <laughs> esoteric. I d- well, okay. it's pretty, like, it's pretty... It's not random. It's, it's, it's really specific, but it's also... It's, it's unusual. You're a weirdo. Thanks so much. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. I it's can, a compliment. Um, in a way, this was always something I wanted to do. I always wanted to go into biomedical research. Oh, wow. Okay. And um, it just I thought I have to do medicine for that. But right. I did an internship in, in a hospital for like two weeks where I followed like doctors for like different like like different stages you know mm-hmm. i was in the mm-hmm. icu diabetes and so how old were you at the um, time i think like 16 or 17 okay. okay and i saw things which i didn't want to see yeah and uh, i also realized that the doctors they really don't have such a big understanding on like the molecular background sure, sure. so i think it depends because there are some really good doctors yeah, as yeah, well, yeah. right so i do actually have some collaborators who are doctors so yeah. i'm not saying they don't know what they're doing <laughs> but for them it's more like okay so this is the symptom which means this disease and this treatment but it doesn't mean that you know they are so much interested in in the background of the mm. disease in a way and there's also a lot of i would say uh, involuntary contact with a lot of strangers okay so what? A- okay this is it <laughs> <laughs> That's a strange sentence to hear. Okay. Okay. But I mean like especially like if you work with patients you you you, oh, okay. you know like you you have close contact you touch them you know like I felt that the doctors are really getting cold towards the patients, which maybe, yeah. especially if you are in the ICU you have to do otherwise you know you just get depressed at some point of time but sure. in in a way they sometimes weren't really treating them like as humans anymore right. and I really didn't like that okay. and then with the combination that I was in the room, people were exposed, I was just standing there. I was feeling awkward. I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I shouldn't yeah. be standing here. This is private, you sure. know. Plus that it actually did not really cover my field of uh, research interest. So after I got out of the hospital, I was like, okay, it's not medicine. That's not you. Yeah, 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 yeah it's yeah. definitely not me. And uh, But I really wanted to do biomedical research. Wow. And uh, then I got into an internship doing like cancer research. And oh, wow. um, there was a really nice professor who basically sat down with me and explained for hours. Okay. Like, you know, what kind of genetic mutations there are, what they're working on. That was Just fascinating. The yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 and yeah. then, and then, of course, I also did some laboratory work and uh, I like that too. So I do like working my hands. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, yeah, but that, that kind of got me hooked. So I didn't go into cancer, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> obviously. But... Yeah, I, I don't know. At some point, I realized during my undergrads that my heart is beating for stem cells. So nice. I went into nice. stem cell research. Nice. Yeah. Foreshadowing, maybe? Or is that what we work in? Stem cells for heart? Yeah, well, I'm not doing so much heart anymore. Okay. Um, but there are adult stem cells, which are called mesenchymal stem cells, which 
have a lot of really good properties. So, for okay. example, they modulate your immune system. Mm -hmm. And you think like they, if people think about the immune system, they always think about well, it's it's to deflect diseases or parasite yeah. bacteria. But the immune system is basically like a, a police force sure. regulating everything, like it's, traffic police. It's always on, right? So they regulate a lot of tissue processes and do okay. a lot of the communication. So in a way, by regulating your your especially the inflammatory response you can uh, decide if something is going to heal or not right you know you need inflammation sure. without inflammation there's no healing however if the inflammation is wrong yeah. or too long there's no healing exactly, either exactly. so so it's really about this fine tuning and those stem cells were actually shown to really be able to fine tune the immune system and thereby um, modulate healing responses right. and even promote regenerative responses so um, people then worked a lot putting these cells into all different places sure. and um, yeah but the thing is you know normally you put the cells into a diseased area right mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. can be ischemic necrotic so if something is killing the tissue if you put in cells inside mm. they are not going to fare better yeah, so they yeah, are going yeah. to die is, yeah, yeah. so the idea was instead of using the cells directly to use what they are making which actually has this effect so people have been working on their secretome, which is basically like all the soluble factors on exosomes, which are like little microvesicles, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which contain like a lot of also signaling factors. And I decided to go for the extracellular matrix. Got it. I understood what you said. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, shall we go to the next photo? Yeah. Okay. A very um, arresting photograph. Did you make this photo yourself? Yes. You did. There is a... What is the specific name of the beaker? It's a beaker. The it's beaker just a glass the, beaker. Yeah, it's a glass beaker. Okay, so it's the... Okay, so in this um, Pyrex, I assume... Okay, it's obviously in a laboratory. It's a close-up photo of a... Do you know the species of the mouse? That's a rat. Of uh, the rat. Of the rat? <laughs> it's a rat. Yeah, but do you know the species of the it's, rat? It's a Vista rat. Okay. Vista? Vista. Vista, yeah. okay. Uh, it's uh, in, a, in a beaker. Mm -hmm. It's uh, being weighed, I'm assuming. Because, yeah, yeah it's, on a, it's on a weight scale. It's being weighed. Uh, it's an. It, does it suffer from albinism, or is just no, happens it, to be? It's just. It's just the the, the type of red. Okay, so, so it's all super the, all white. Yes. Uh, pink nose, pink ears. We shouldn't get too uh, attached too to attached it. to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, very, very. So what, what's arresting? First, as an image, it's okay. So when I had uh, Nushin Mubasari, who is the artist from Iran, she always puts her face looking at the viewer. Mm -hmm. And she said, that's a way that I engage aesthetically with the viewer. And so in this case, the this rat is stuck in this beaker. It can't climb out. Oh, but it, it could. It could? Okay, it, could. it just doesn't want to. And it's just, <laughs> it's just yeah. So it's sitting there It's uh, and looking up at the photographer, probably wondering, what's a camera? Uh, just looking with a very neutral expression. The, what makes the image is its eyes are super, super red. Yes. And look, I know I'm being really cheeky by adding all of this very soft personification, but it is in a laboratory. Yes. And uh, let's find out why and how this rat is so important. 
Well, it was one of my first research animals. Mm -hmm. I got attached to it, which is not really good. So, yeah, yeah. so when we well, eventually had to sacrifice it, I was yeah. crying yeah, so yeah, badly. Yeah, yeah. yeah no. Um, so this was part of my first postdoctoral um, appointment. Okay. And that was more relying on animal experiments. So it was all about um, imaging, about MRI imaging, about PET scanning, although mainly MRI imaging. And um, I was supposed to find a way. So again, I was working with those mesenchymal stem cells and we were trying to transplant them into heart attacks. And the thing is, you know, if you the heart attack is basically a dying tissue. So if you put cells in there, they're just not going to stick around. Right. So especially since, you know, this is, and if you inject them around the, the infarct, the tissue is contracting, right? So basically right. it's just squeezing the cells out. Yeah, so there's yeah, like yeah. basically nothing left. So my goal was to find a way how to make cells stay in right. there. Right, okay. So now, let me interrupt for just yeah. a second. So one of the words that gets that got lost, I think maybe, I think it's amazing that, so your first, your mother tongue is Polish. Yes. And then German on top yes. of that. Polish was basically something I did talk mainly at home. Okay. And I've moved away from home a really yeah. long time ago. Sure. Well, here's... So so I know this is really taking a sharp left from the conversation, but I also like to look at the person who's speaking to kind of really understand, like, your, your personal development and journey. It's like... Because here we are, we're speaking in English, and your English is perfect. You know, somebody will be like, oh, but I have an accent. It's like, we all have accents. It doesn't matter. Your English is actually, you know, obviously super high level. Just every once in a while, I think for somebody who who's listening, where the terminology is new, they may lose out a little bit. So you said, uh, use the word infarct. Yeah. What? So it's a heart attack. Okay. Limited blood supply to the heart tissue, to mm -hmm. the heart muscle tissue, which then, because you can think about it like the, it's, it's a really high performance muscle. So it needs right. a lot of oxygen nutrients to actually do its job. Yeah. So it's very sensitive if it gets deprived of oxygen. Right. So, and it dies immediately. Oh, really? Yes. So, but then the initial infarct, so which is basically the area of that tissue is very small. Mm. What happens is that this causes a very strong inflammatory response. Yep. Which affects the surrounding tissue, which is um, at risk, and uh, it is also depending on how large this initial infarct size is. Mm -hmm. The surrounding tissue has to kind of work now also and make up for for the lost tissue, so they actually work, have to work harder. Mm -hmm. So what happens over time in an infarct is that it actually expands. Okay. Until it can actually lead to heart failure. So, right. so patients very often do not die immediately from infarct, but from like the long term effects right. coming from there. And again, it's like the inflammatory response. So ideally, if you put stem cells in there, they might not be able to make new cardiac tissue. But if the initial infarct size is not so big, that's fine as long as it doesn't expand. So okay. it was in a way, the idea to have the cells there so they regulate the inflammatory response and therefore, you know, stop the infarct size from increasing. Right. Yeah. Okay, so this particular rat at the moment, what was the study that you guys were doing? 
So this rat actually had a heart attack. Okay. And you would be amazed because at some point, obviously, these animals had to be sacrificed and then we had to isolate the hearts mm -hmm. and we did histology. So we actually looked into like slices and really looked on the cellular level what's happening there. And some of those infarcts were really huge. Like you could never have a human being running around right, with such right. an infarct. And these rats were like happily running around, oh, having wow. fun. So they, they, they can actually take much more than yeah, a human yeah, being. Yeah. But basically after the in, because you induce the infarct, you actually have to do a surgery through the ribs. So the third and fourth intercostal space. So you kind of do like a rib spreading right. and then you go in, uh, and. This is why it's alive though. Yes, yes. So okay. it's like a, like a, like a proper surgery okay. with like everything. So, however, later on, when they are just recovering, they're of course on like heavy painkillers, etc., antibiotics. So basically they're like pretty, I don't know. I'm not sure if they're really happy afterwards, but mm. they're definitely, you know, yeah, yeah, pretty silly. But still you, you try to be careful because since they do have this injury on, on, uh, on the rib, you, you wouldn't just pick them up by sure, the tail, sure, you know, sure. because it stretches them. So I taught the rats actually to climb into the beaker. Okay. And in that way, they were just sitting comfortably and I was like taking oh, them around okay, the lab yeah. and, and injecting them and, and weighing them. And yeah, so. And this particular study was, what were you looking at? Like, what were you specifically looking at? So this is shortly after surgery. So you mm -hmm. can, it's actually, you know, red looks happy. So you can see if a, if an animal is in distress and, and, sure. and this one is not. So I think I was preparing for, it, it was either, after surgery care or preparing for the next MRI. Because okay. I, what I was doing, the, the cells which I had were actually labeled with nanoparticles, which are visible in the MRI. So I was tracking the cells in the heart of the rat over like six weeks. Okay. So let me just say that again so that I share that I got what you're saying. So you used specific nanoparticles... That you injected into the rat, into the tissue. No, no. no. The, the particles hmm. are incubated with the cells, with, okay, okay, with stem cells, and yeah, they yeah. take it up. Right. And then they're kind of stuck with it. Got it. Got and it. then you go into surgery, yeah. and you induce an infarct, and then you inject those cells. And then they're supposedly inside. And then you try to monitor how long they will stay inside. Right. And if your approach to prolong their stay there actually works or not. And you did this using an MRI. Yeah. You have a... How did you get a rat into an MRI? You're sedated, I guess, to yes, not move. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. How large is the MRI? Um, it's... Is it like a little mini MRI? No, it's pretty big actually, because it's a it's a stronger magnet. You need yeah. a much higher resolution than for, of a human, right? Because the red is much smaller, so the magnetic field has to be stronger. So I think this was a seven Tesla. So a seven. Now I know a little bit of a very very little bit. So a seven Tesla. Now people are going to hear Tesla and they go Tesla the car. What are you talking? <laughs> what, what's a Tesla? <laughs> exactly. It's uh, it's the unit for magnetic. Strength yeah. of the field or the strength of the magnetic field. So the stronger it is, the higher the resolution of the MRI right, will right. be. Right. And the higher the voltage, the power. Yes, yes, of, yeah. of course. And this was where? In Singapore. In Singapore. Yeah. In the lab, in the hospital, like where? where no, in the lab, have... no, because so the thing is that the MRI by itself is pretty large. Yeah. But the the hole where you put in the rat mm -hmm. or the mouse is mm -hmm. actually quite small. 
You just put the red on a cradle right, yeah. and then it kind of drives in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you basically don't want so much distance between um, the coil, mm -hmm, the magnetic mm -hmm. coil and the animal because, you know, that will just uh, decrease the resolution. Yeah, so exactly. you want everything to yeah, be pretty yeah, yeah. close by. Have you ever had an MRI? No, but I was present when other people had theirs. Okay. And I'm, I mean, like you basically, um, you're also there when the, sure, the sure. reds are there. Not, you're not in the room, are you? Um, not during the actual scanning because yeah. that's really loud. Yeah. Uh, but you you're basically sitting behind the glass window, sure, sure. and and that's for the MRI. The the magnetic field is always there. Yeah. Right. So you have to be careful when you walk in that yeah. you don't have any metal objects on you, etc., yeah. etc. On the other hand, at some point you do get a bit relaxed. So for example, if you go into a hospital setting, everybody will always ask you to take off jewelry. Yeah. I, for example, I didn't do that because. Silver, gold yeah, is actually, is, yeah, you know, exactly. not magnetic. So, so it's, it's not fine. Magnetic, yeah. So, so um, that's a mistake you only need to make once, I think. And then you're just like, uh, I'll never make that mistake again. No, no, but that's fine because, or like once I, for example, had like these little hairpins in my hair, yeah. and I didn't realize. Yeah. And I went into the room and I felt the tuck. Wow! Right, so I actually went out and took them out. Wow! 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 But uh, yeah. Okay. Anything else you want to say about this little fella? Ah, yeah, no, it's just... Um, How long was the study? Six weeks. Oh, that's quick. Yeah. Well, it's like without... If you don't do anything, I lost track of the cells after three days. Okay, oh, okay, okay. So they were just... No, two days. So I did one scan two days after surgery, and then I could still detect them. And any time point later, I couldn't detect wow. the cells anymore. Okay, okay. So what we did there is then we put those cells into hydrogel capsules which were like a bit larger once or 100 micrometers and injected those capsules inside and they're like physically immobilized the right. cells inside the tissue and after six weeks i could still detect the cells okay by mri and okay. then i and i got the hearts and also showed that the cells were there right wow yeah shall we move on yeah we can move on love it love it In this image, we have two, four, six human test subjects. <laughs> so you know. <laughs> no, okay, no. So it's a photo inside uh, an office space of some sort. It's a photo of a group of people. There, you are uh, with within this small group. People are happy, uh, you know, make, posing for the camera. It's. I can sort of see the logo for Chinese U somewhere in the background there. Yes. The lighting is very nice. Everybody looks very pretty, very happy. What is this? Please. So this is actually an event where one of my students presented her research. So that's actually Joyce. She's in the front. Okay. And she um, won the first prize for the poster, which is hanging in the back. Nice. So this was about... Ah, so here we were making uh, tissues on a chip. Okay. And so this is another research direction, but it's again about blood vessels. Okay. So, so wait, uh, tissues on a chip, like mm -hmm. a silicon chip? Uh, yeah. Okay, okay. So it's basically um, now, because I've been doing animal experiments for a while, and um, first of all, it's something which is not, well, it's it's not right to use animals like that if you don't have to don't in have a to, way, yeah. right? And you should try to find ways not to do that. So sure. as I said, like, for example, I really got attached to these rats, and I really had a tough time, yeah. especially in the beginning, to actually do all these experiments, and especially, so... 
even see them go eventually, yeah. right? So you try to get around that. And one way is to actually make micro tissues, okay. um, which you can put on a chip. And because you put them on a chip, you can really like monitor them right. real time, high resolution. Sure. And the great thing that they're actually human, because I mentioned, remember I mentioned that um, rats can actually take much more than humans. Right, right. So they are only that representative for like a human response so right. very often you do experiments you know you go into animals you think you have it all figured out you have like a therapy which is going to help you treat cancer or alzheimer's or whatever and once you go into a human test subject it's nothing so works anymore yeah, right yeah, yeah. so um also for that reason an animal model might not be the best way to go mm -hmm. and if you can make those tissues in on on a chip you can basically try to avoid animal experiments yeah. on the long term and you can actually have human responses because you can make human tissues right the chip like what is the interface like what is so how, it's basically what, like, what it's, a, it's, like? it's it's a very thin glass slide mm -hmm. and then you have um a silicon like cover on it and the silicon cover has channels or like holes and you can for example, then uh, seed cells in there. And the mm -hmm. cells will not only become cells, but they also make the exocell matrix. So, you they, you know, and then you give them different stimuli. So they do things for you, like right. like differentiate into heart cells or differentiate into pancreatic cells. Right. Or in my case, actually go from like being randomly distributed to making hollow vessels, okay. which can be perfused and which we behave very, very closely to a normal vessel. Well. How fast? Like, what's the time? You, because you, this is part of your work, you, yes. you 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 have a frame of reference for all of this. Whereas I don't have a frame of reference. So, how fast do these things happen in terms of? You have this glass slide with this silicon wafer thing with these holes or channels or mm -hmm. whatever. And how? So, how fast do the does what the action or the the sort of the the event take? So the chips, you can make them like in one day okay. and you can make like several of them. So my students basically have like a little chip factory and mm. they just have like a huge storage of those ready okay, okay. for use. Um, and then, well, you we've implanted the cells inside. So mm -hmm. that takes, it depends on the student. No, some are right, really of fast. Course, of course. <laughs> but I would say like, you know, half a day max, depending wow. also on how many... Uh, devices you're making like wow. one device will take you maybe like an hour or so hmm. and then you wait for two days and after two days you have vessels oh wow so you look like a very young teacher oh yeah sometimes people think i'm a phd student yeah exactly yeah you look like a very <laughs> really young... nice okay so from my work through service leadership or service network leadership which is always about looking at the network of people so when i see this where, say, the, the output or the focal, sort of the intellectual focal, focal point is the poster behind you guys, yes. where she won that award for. She's the, uh, the, the author or the, the creator of that poster or the mm -hmm. one who, gets a, who wins that award, but you're within a group, right? So there's yes. the dynamic of you are the, the elder, you are the, you. the guide. No, no, but like, <laughs> but you know, like in a network, though, it's like different people have different roles. And and why don't you talk about 
what it means to you to for you to be in that role yeah well so the first thing like so the the, the student in the front she's the one who, who was the first author she's actually uh she was a summer student with so the black shirt or with the white shirt uh with the black shirt okay the one who looks like really yeah, happy who's you giving know the, the two fingers yeah the, not the british v but the, I don't the, know, the Asian piece, v. yeah the british one is a little bit ruder <laughs> Right. But you can see like also from the author list in the back of the picture, uh, she's not the only author. Sure. So, so basically, um, so you can see the, the girl on my right. Yeah. Um, she is my PhD student yeah. and she was basically mentoring her as oh, well. So okay, this okay. is really a group effort. Yeah. Yeah. And what you can see, although, um, only Joyce was presenting, half of the lab actually showed up right. to like support her. Right. So it's, it's really a great group dynamics that they, that everybody is kind of cheering for the other persons mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. people are supportive and working together. And, um, all these successes of this one single person, which is amazing. I mean, jo Joyce really did an amazing job. Sure. Like her, re her research work was good. Um, she also presented very well, very professional, but, It's not only her success yeah, because yeah, yeah. a lot of people were involved and it's also their success. So obviously you can see Christy is also very happy mm -hmm, because mm -hmm, she mm -hmm. was mentoring her. Yeah. So she's proud also yeah, of like course. of herself that she got her that far. Mm -hmm. And I think this is what I'm also doing. So I'm, I really like this is one of the fun things in my job when you see people grow, people being successful, achieving something. Yeah, yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be something which is recognized to the outside. It can be also something I'm realizing by myself. So very funny is when PhD students normally first start, they kind of have this, okay, so what do I have to do to get a PhD? Oh. And I'm almost like, yeah, no, that's not how it goes, right? <laughs> so then I give them like a year where they like scramble to kind of find their way in this okay, whole okay. maze of potential experiments and they also have like to read up on the project so there's like so much information and which i also showed in the first pictures many of those informations are actually not right so if we would have gotten any other reviewer this would have been published and right. this inf false information would uh -huh. have been out there uh -huh. so actually 50 of research is non-reproducible okay yeah, yeah. so so for for someone who starts doing research it's very hard to distinguish right. so sure. And then they start doing experiments and most of the time things do not work, yeah. especially in the beginning. They just don't have so much training. So there are technical well, errors, still. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's very frustrating. And at some point things start working out and then they, they become very happy. So it's like this, you know, like all these failures and suddenly one thing some yeah. comes up and they're like, get really happy about sure, it. Sure. And if that repeats a couple of times, they, they get this hunger. Yeah. And they want it, right? So, <laughs> so at some point, they actually become, they take ownership of the project. Right, right. And then it's not what do I have to do to, to get a PhD, but then this is, okay, I have all these ideas and I want to get this project. I want to this. I want to this, you mm. know? So you see this person development from just having, doing research as, as um, a mean to an end which is basically to graduate and get like a better paid job. Yeah, Although yeah, academia yeah. is not <laughs> sure. always the best paid options, but I'm not going to complain. 
but it's more about that you, they, they kind of get into their driver's seat. So this is an amazing development. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And to see that and to see like their personal growth or like also in a way when they present, like in the beginning, they might be shy, yeah, they yeah, might be introverted, you know, they just are nervous. And at some point, they're really keen to share what they found because they are so proud of it. So how long have you been with this group? Oh, wow. I've been in Hong Kong for four years. Mm -hmm. Not all of them have been that long. So, so Kendrick, which is like the one with the white shirt, mm -hmm. he joined my lab quite early on mm -hmm. as an undergrad student and he's been like in and out. He didn't did his final year project with me and he's now at Imperial College. Oh, wow. Okay. So Christy has also been with me. She actually started as a research assistant and okay. then eventually became a PhD student. So oh, she's wow. been also with me for like three or four years now. Then the, the two girls in the front, they're actually in the school, of, they're undergrad students in the School of Biomedical Sciences. Okay, so they have okay. been there for the summer and I do have them in some of my lectures. Though. Right, right, right. And Owen, which is the one in the front who actually mm -hmm. is taking the picture, is a, a final year student. So he's been with me since May. Okay. And KK is in the back and he's been with me over two years now, two and okay. a half years. He's also a PhD student. You know, the great thing is, yeah. what I realized, is that when once they came to you, even if it's just like for an internship, they, they tend to come back eventually. Right, right. It's very funny. Like, well, we, I, so we talk about in service leadership is that as a service leader, your role is really to attract people, right? So a leader who doesn't have people around them is no leader. That yeah. you need somebody to lead. Yeah, yeah. Poets say somebody who ha like a leader with no followers is just somebody taking a walk. Like you're just, <laughs> you know. So your ability to attract people is really going to set or define your success, and so that com that feeds your reputation. I mean, all these different factors bring people to you, and if people keep coming back and staying, that must mean that you're pretty good. They do like me. Exactly. At least this is what they tell me. Sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Should we yeah. move on to the next photo? Yes. Woo! It's another group photograph, and it's in a, it's in a hallway. And uh, so you've got two, four, six, eight. So eight people, and you're standing in the back holding mm -hmm. what looks like a decapitated um, <laughs> white cake with yes. some bleeding fruit on the top. <laughs> it's mango. Oh, it's mango. Okay, great. Yeah. It, oh, there's a, there's a little kid who looks very young, probably about like six or seven. Yes. Maybe a young researcher, let's put it that way. Uh, <laughs> six or seven. Yes, yeah, so this is a great warm uh, group photo. Why, why is this important? What, what, what am I looking at? Um, so this was my... So, so first, this is actually in the building. This is at the entrance to the lab area. And this was my birthday this year. And ah. I didn't, I didn't tell anyone. So I was trying to hide the fact okay. that it was my birthday. Yeah. Cause you know, I'm still trying not to get older. See, okay. how, see if I can stop that from happening. Sure, sure. And yeah, at some point, my group actually surprised me with That's the cake. That's sweet. And that was that was very nice. So I was very touched by that. Yeah. That the first day remembered because being honest, I don't remember all the birthdays. Right, right. And also just you know that they actually took the initiative to 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 celebrate with okay. me. So that was amazing. And yeah, but why I 
chose this picture. So you can actually see there are some people which uh, also were in the other photograph. There are yeah, some other yeah. people. So especially, you know, the girl on the right side, Zoe. Yeah. Uh, she just got her first paper accepted oh, wow. and we are uh, submitting her second one. Okay. And she will definitely have one or two more. So she's totally rocking her oh, PhD. Amazing. amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And she started off as such a shy uh, girl who sure. like, so, you a know, like in the, in the, in yeah. the, in the beginning, I, you know, I felt that she will, she's going to be pushed around by like everybody else because mm. like, she was not really standing up for okay, herself okay. and sometimes you have to be fierce you know yeah, especially yeah. there's always like shared facilities and you have to book and and right. people are basically taking your slots and you really right. have to be able you know to stand up for yourself sure, sure. and so in the beginning she was like super shy yeah, and, and yeah. you know and then at some point which comes which came with this i'm taking ownership of my right. project she started to be also very protective of her project sure. and also to really like making sure that people do not step into her space. Okay. So she became very confident. Okay. And yeah, but that's not the reason why I chose the picture. So why did you choose the photo? Um, because like the little girl there is actually my daughter. Oh, uh, yeah. So at this, I don't know why, but for some reason um, I had to take her with me to work. So she was in my office. And so why I chose this picture is because I realized in my job, um, there are actually not, especially in the higher position, there are actually not that many women. Okay. Um, maybe, well, Hong Kong is a bit different, I feel, but I've been working in Germany before as well and in Europe, like the moment you move into a research institute mm -hmm. or you are like um, in a scientific field or engineering field, they're almost like, there's this a huge overproportion of men in this kind of professorship or higher okay. leading position. And I always ask myself why and um, by now, I do understand why, definitely. it's. I think it's it's, it's harder uh, for women to actually set foot into such a male-dominated field. Okay. Especially because like, it's, it's like a closed club sometimes. Okay. It doesn't mean it's always the case. Like in Hong Kong, it's amazing. Yeah. Like um, it's, it's very open. I also feel that there are much more women okay. in research here and it's very inclusive. It's right. not exclusive. But in Germany, that was definitely different. Okay. And then I realized that then there are like some women in these positions and those are extremely fierce yeah, yeah, yeah. and very often childless okay yeah so yeah, i would yeah, yeah. say over proportionally many women who like in this position never have kids sure and i think they basically decided to go for the career instead yep. for the family and i didn't do that so uh, i have a daughter and mm -hmm. i also have a son well wow. and i think you don't have to choose and I think it's wrong Ooh. to choose. Well, that's a that's a <laughs> tough one because raising a child is a lot of work. It is. It's really hard. It's a lot of work. And I think for a lot of women who, I mean, I think that's a real challenge for women who want to have children but also continue in their careers. At some point along the way, they have to, they, you know, it's because of fatigue, scheduling, of access whatever it is they, they face a choice right like i just talk, I think about you know my wife who with our daughter when she was doing her her phd and working full-time it was just like she had the choice like she, there weren't enough hours in the day and it's not only the will 
a lot of the women, these women who can't, who, are, who have to face this choice, who can't do it, they they have the will, but who just can't make it happen, right? So, so you are able to, you are. It's not in the past because you're still working, you're still teaching, you're you're still full on and being a parent. So, well, I so, think I think if it's a choice of time, then yes. But some people just, or some women just, are afraid. Sure. To make the step. Okay. Um. In academia, you don't really have like long-term contracts in the yeah. beginning, at least, yeah. right? So you have the short-term contracts. Uh, it's really competitive. So sure. when I, for example, interviewed for my job in Hong Kong, I think I heard the the most often sentence I heard from a lot of people: "You either go up or you're out." Right. So okay. you either advance in your career or you exit yeah, or you this career exit. path, yeah. right? So and this is how it's been since my PhD basically sure. so under such circumstances some people just do not dare to have children because there's not the stability they don't sure. know if, am I going to have a job in like three five yeah, years yeah, whatever yeah. how am I going to support my family so so they kind of seek the stability and in a way you know like to have something where they can put children and, and a family right, into right. and I have to say that I also had these thoughts mm -hmm. but it kind of just makes you scared right and if you make decisions out of fear most of the time they're not good decisions so sure. i think that at some point i just let go of this i'm i mean i have two kids my kids are pretty resilient i don't need to be a millionaire for them to be happy right, right. you know for them the happiest moments are For example, in coming with me to work, so Lucia loves it. You right, know, like right, she's sure. center center of attention. Everybody wants to talk to her. And it's got to be so so cool for her to go into this place that is so. Yeah, well, we have impressive. this. Room. She she cannot touch anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's Which like is, don't yeah, touch. Yeah. That um, can kill you. No, no. <laughs> right. Maybe it's faith in a way that even if this doesn't work out something else will well okay. in a way so, like i'm i'm not stupid i'm going yeah. to figure something out well one of the things that's clear is that you're hard working which isn't to say that women who can't do it all aren't hard working but you're competitive You describe yourself as competitive? Yes. I love competition. Yeah. <laughs> I love dares. I love challenges. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So you are competitive. Yes. So, okay. So why don't you talk or share about when you're in the situation, you won't necessarily think, oh, wait a second. I'm facing this guy who's being super dismissive or sexist or whatever. And here's a moment for me to push back. Sometimes you're just in that situation and, and then you catch yourself and you go like, oh, hold, hold on a second. So have you had really uh, intense experiences where you're not in Hong Kong necessarily, but maybe in Germany, where you said it was really male dominated and really a lot, you know, where the, the people at the top tended to be male, where you were, where you were kind of facing a challenge that was obviously like, okay, hold on, this is fucked up, like, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so definitely, yeah. It's actually why I left my job in Germany as well. Okay. So it was a research institute which was really male dominated. And I mean, like, it's not like only women were targeted. Like the, the head of the institute was not a very nice person, sure. you know, but he kind of uh, took an interest in me. So normally, like, you have still this hierarchy. So there's head of institute, then there's head of department. And then I had like, I was a postdoctoral fellow there. But, you know, so I write, I would have to report to the head of department, right. not to the, 
head of the institute, but the head of the institute sometimes went around the head yeah. of the department, which was which was tricky. Um, yeah, and in a way, it's just that everybody in these positions, if it was the head of the institute or the vice, um, I don't know what is it called, the, the person who, if the head of the institute the, is not around. No, not the, the, uh, the vice. Chancellor, vice chancellor. No, like because it's just a research institute, right? It's right not a university. I have no idea. So, so anyway, like, like the whole management thing was mm -hmm. all male and, um, I don't know. There, there were sentences like, you know, like, we know, I know you have a kid. So if you, you know, if you want to have your contract extended after these two years, you better do this and this and this. Because right. actually I was there on and I got my own fellowship. So I had my own research project. Right. So I was, I had everything planned out. Yeah. I had my milestones. And at some point they told me that I'm not allowed to do this project anymore and I'm supposed to do something else. Huh. Which is not very ethical, sure. but and they were like basically like uh, using again this yeah like you you basically you want to settle down here and you can have like if if you do this you know you'll you will get a contract you can live your life here be a happy mom and I was like yeah that's make it right right or I heard sentences like oh yeah because she's good looking and she's a woman let her present because it will look right, good on the right. institute yeah 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 when I was I was once like interviewing for. Um, also like a group leading position in Germany and it was like the head of plastic surgery which would have been fun because he like he had a lot of funding and yeah. a huge lab he just basically needed someone to like do do the things right right and again we had this conversation and he knew uh, I just had my daughter and he's like well if you want like uh, I can make sure that you're going to have a comfortable life so you never have to worry about like that your contract doesn't get extended you can settle down here you can take care of your kid you can do whatever you want in my lab whatever you know mm -hmm. like whatever research direction as long as my my name appears as a lead author. Everywhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can do everything as long as I can take the credit. Yeah. Exactly. And I was just, you know, and I was just looking at the guy and I was like, if he, he thought he's actually doing me uh, yeah, something yeah. good for me because like I can be like this mummy with, sure. you know, and I was just like, yes, let me consider that. Thank right. you. And I never spoke to this guy again. I didn't even like say no because I just felt that was so rude. Sure, sure, sure. And so there have been like a lot of these kind of situations. And it's just that it's kind of a closed club. So, you know, uh, many of these men are obviously older. Yeah. So if, if you, if you, if there's like this young GOP woman, they just don't take you seriously. Okay. They, they might eventually be like, uh, impressed by something what you do. Or I've been, I've been told almost like, Oh, that's a genius idea, but mm. that's kind of it. They don't really would put you in a position sure. where, but having said that, I don't have that in Hong Kong right. at all. Right. So Hong Kong is very different and I right. really appreciate Hong Kong for that. Are you taller than most of your colleagues? Uh, in Hong Kong, yes, I think so. <laughs> I imagine that kind of helped. Uh, <laughs> you think these, so? No, listen, I was just, I was just kidding. Um, look, these, these podcasts go by very quickly. I mean, it's been an hour. Oh, wow. Isn't that amazing? Thank you. This has been, this, I love this stuff. This is so great. Thank you yeah. so much. Awesome. Yeah. It was, it was a pleasure. It's great. Thank okay. you. I do love to talk about my work. It's so, awesome. It's right? Woo! Shooting it raw? Yes. Shooting it raw.